Hello everyone, welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Khan and I talk about how you can start, run and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called What Founders Can Learn from Twitch Streamers About Building in Public. Let's get started. I am an avid Twitch viewer, but while writing or coding or just researching, I quite often watch someone else playing video games online. I could play those games myself, I think I have the time, but I wanted to spend time on my projects with really without dedicating my full attention to a game. And it's always a bit of an attention gamble. So Twitch allows me to participate in the gaming experience without losing my focus. And it's just really nice. I think there used to be a time when people just had the TV on in the background. For me, that's Twitch, just watching people game. And I can kind of pick the game setup when I see people play. But let's just talk about um, my consumption of this. Because I've been watching streamers play video games in public for many, many years now. And I've learned something. They don't only provide enjoyable entertainment. That used to be my understanding in the past. But you can also see them actually building a community and quite literally an engaged audience day after day. And that's so interesting from an entrepreneurial perspective. So today, I want to share a few insights that you can leverage in your own audience building efforts. So maybe a word about Twitch. This video game streaming platform, they grew by 83% in 2020 alone. Like there's a lot going on in online streaming. I think viewers watched around 17 billion hours of gamers just playing their games in front of their audience that year. And many streamers are on that platform. There's a lot of people trying to make it. But just like in any other field, not everybody who starts streaming turns it into a full-time occupation. So there are 27,000 Twitch partners and 150,000 affiliates. It's kind of the, the, the difference here is between... Um, how much money they make from certain activities um, on the while streaming on the platform. I'll talk about that later. And all streamers who are making money from actually playing games in front of a virtual live audience, right? That's what Twitch is about. So 27,000 partners and 150,000 affiliates, and they're all streaming in front of this audience. So let's look at what they do, how they do it, and why it works. And I believe it all starts with persistence. Streamers like Lyric or Summit1G are prolific. They often stream six days a week on a regular schedule. They show up relentlessly because they have to. On Twitch, streamers make money by having viewers subscribe to their channels for a couple bucks a month. There's multiple tiers, but let's just say five bucks a month is what you pay to be subscribed to a streamer. And those subscribers, they have high expectations. The moment a streamer skips a few days of streaming, their subscriber numbers start to dwindle quickly. If they take a few weeks off, they might go from thousands of subscribers to just a handful. People are fickle when it comes to entertainment like this. Twitch is a platform that rewards consistency and persistence. And the most successful streamers are the ones that show up every single day. And another thing about how they monetize, subscription revenue is not the only way to make money on Twitch. The streamers with an engaged audience that they've built over many, many years, oftentimes, they employ a couple alternative off-platform methods to make money of their content as well. They might accept donations through PayPal or in a cryptocurrency. They often have sponsoring contracts with the likes of like Monster Energy Drinks or Razer Gaming Hardware. Some of the most popular streamers run sponsored streams where they're paid to play a particular game by a particular studio on stream. 
And many, many streamers, no matter how popular they are, have affiliate links to gaming equipment and books and stuff, just anything on their Twitch bio page. So these solopreneurs have understood that multiple streams of income are the best way to monetize their personal brand. There's a lot of platform risk in streaming. Just like followers on Twitter are owned by Twitter, Twitch effectively owns your followers and subscribers. If they close your account, which they could do for any reason, you lose access to your audience. That's why you'll see most streamers offer a variety of ways to follow and support them. The streamer Rogue has links to his Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, and even a Discord server on his Twitch bio, for example. There's also an affiliate link to a VPN provider and multiple ways to support him through subscriptions and donations on that page. At over 360,000 followers, this streamer is painfully aware of how quickly he could be deplatformed and has worked diligently to build followings on alternative platforms. You don't really see email lists that much because streamers are so engulfed in their content that they do on their stream live every day that they don't have alternative methods of reaching out to people, but you will see them try to get them into as many different networks as possible to just offset the risk of this borrowed audience problem, right? And Rogue is uh, also exhibiting something else that builds more network effect, and he's consistently playing with several other Twitch streamers. Since he plays multiplayer first-person shooter games, the quality of his gameplay improves when he's working with highly skilled teams, right? And people that are super skilled at playing the game. So not only does this produce superior gameplay content that people like to watch, but it also adds another layer to the stream itself, the chatter between professional players. It's a mix of professional sports commentary and in-the-trenches gameplay insight, often spiced up with personal banter between friends. Because those kind of professional teams, they develop friendships or friendship-like dynamics in them. And this makes many Twitch streamers and their daily streams so relatable. Here is another human being enjoying an activity that takes skill to execute well, where they are an expert, and they're playing their games with others just like them. And this creates an incredibly strong following, because the viewer becomes part of that bond by just interacting, by watching and interacting, and seeing how those players interact with each other over time. Like, the viewer is part of this dynamic at some point. And it's not all just passive consumption either. In fact, this is one of the one thing that I've always admired about the medium of Twitch. The streamer is fully aware that an engaged audience can only appear when streamers actually engage with their viewers themselves. Twitch offers this chat functionality for every stream and entire microcosms have developed in those little chat boxes that you see on the side. And the ability to type something for a streamer to read immediately is powerful. That's what hooks viewers. Because if streamers respond to those messages, viewers feel incredibly empowered. Just a few seconds of attention can turn a follower into a subscriber. And successful streamers often have dozens of longtime followers that help them with administrative work And they built relationships with these people, and they recall hundreds of names from followers that they've been with for many, many years. And while Twitch is all about gameplay on the surface, it's this interaction between the streamer and their viewers that creates the sense of community. 
And in the early days of every stream, only a few followers will regularly tune in, right? Everybody starts somewhere. But the people that tune in, the, the ones that actually show up, will do it purposefully because they like what they see and they'll often engage in lively conversations with the streamer. And over time, this audience grows and those longer conversations become rare, but no successful streamer will ever completely ignore the chat. You can see this with every single successful streamer. Chat is an incredibly source of something for them and they keep going back to it. It is there that subscriber retention happens because people tune in, they feel heard, they feel seen, and they come back. And chat is central to feeling appreciated, both for the streamer, but also for the viewers. And it allows for communication at all times, synchronously when the streamer is actually watching and asynchronously. It really depends on when the streamer checks the chat or how distracted they are by playing the actual game. But no matter how popular streamers get, they always gravitate back to the chat, either while gaming or even sometimes as let's have a few minutes to chat segments that they sprinkle in between gaming sessions. They make a point of appreciating chat. And this interaction with a streamer's chat is also an often hilarious source of emergent content, unplanned conversations, jokes, musings, links, any kind of thing, anything can happen. Some streamers take this beyond the chat and even invite their followers to play with them, actually play the games that they stream with their followers. And the ability to do so obviously depends on the game that's being played. Some games don't lend themselves to be played by groups, but it often leads to hours of fun to watch gameplay that also strengthens the bonds within the community because that's where it originates. These people leverage their community. It's not just a passive audience out there consuming, it's actually creating content for them. And the best streamers have understood that any action that furthers this sense of kinship in the community is a good one to take. They celebrate subscription anniversaries, like with a shout out on screen if somebody has subbed for a year or a month even, or two months, something like that. They highlight particularly funny or helpful chat contributions by calling them out and reading them out loud in the actual stream. And they show gratitude for supporting the stream in any way, through a donation, through any means. And every streamer has a distinct personality that shines through in this kind of behavior. And sometimes people are rough and arrogant, or at least they act like it. And sometimes they are kind and inviting, but they all foster community wherever they can. And they even foster community outside of their own stream. Many streamers end their daily stream by donating their current viewers to another ongoing stream in what's called a viewer raid. Right? They just essentially ask their viewers to give another streamer a chance and just join their stream and watch it. And this often is a much less popular streamer, getting a mighty influx of new potential followers. And while Twitch is a zero-sum game, a viewer usually watches one stream at a time and no more, Right, so you're always competing for the viewer's attention, people will still help each other build a business because they understand that every streamer has something unique to contribute to the entertainment of many, many viewers. And this uniqueness of streamer personality is not an accident. In the world of thousands of video games to play, finding a niche is essential. While there's a spectrum between those streamers who only play a single game forever and others who choose to play a variety, the most successful streamers limit themselves to either a genre or a handful of games they play regularly. And simultaneously, since many other streamers will play popular games, standing out as a unique personality is extremely helpful to build a personal streamer brand. 
because you're playing the same games that other people do, so you need to play them in a different way. And some gamers, they dress up in a particular way to become recognizable, and some use specific kinds of jargon, some use particular jokes. You never find a generic streamer in the top echelon of professional gamers. They're all kind of quirky, and something is always particular about them. And streamers understand that they won't check the boxes for every single viewer out there. Right? They don't try to appeal to everyone, but for their niche audience, which can often scale into millions of viewers on Twitch, they are a perfect combination of player and personality, and that's what they strive to be. Often, like I said, streamers use their own slang or lingo within their communities to both strengthen the community and to make it something special. They create a name for their followers even. They work hard to create a cohesive brand around their content. There's a streamer called Man vs. Game, and he calls his community Mankind and titles every stream as Man vs. and then the name of the game that he's playing. And this is not just a person playing video games in public. It's a one-person media company creating an immersive experience for an ever-growing audience that comes back because he's cohesive and consistent. And maybe a quick side note here, because I'm always talking about games, Twitch is not just for video games. People are streaming cooking tutorials right from their kitchens. There's a live stream of a duck pond where subscribers can feed the ducks through a remotely activated feeder. I'm a follower there because I love ducks and I just love watching them like being fed by people from the internet. It's amazing. And there's a camera set up and everything. It's really, really cute. And there's subscriber options. You can subscribe to this and you can feed the duck every single day. It's, people can make money of many, many things. The musician Mike Shinoda of Linkin Park streams his music-making efforts regularly. He just streams for a couple hours and makes a song and lets the audience participate in the creation of the song. And other people paint miniatures. People dance or they sing, they play chess or just hang out and chat with their audience. Every niche has its viewers, no matter how small. And many of those niches did not exist when Twitch was first created. Over time, people found the platform, recognized something unique about themselves that people could relate to, and then they started streaming. From pole dancing classes to live streaming a trans-European truck haul, like people actually put cameras and streaming equipment into their trucks and just filmed them, like, themselves for six hours on the highway trying to deliver spices from one country to another. There's nothing that wouldn't attract an audience. If you have a personality... You and, and anything that is special about you, you'll do well. And every streamer with a sizable audience started out with zero views at some point, right? They just continued to focus on one particular target audience and built the content to attract and retain them. And that's important because they are not, like I said, trying to please anybody. They are quite aware that there is a big enough audience out there for them if they just do what they do best. And that's the abundance mindset at play. Right? Although there's some zero-sum component to Twitch itself, there is not about a global viewership. There's millions, if not billions of potential viewers for anything on Twitch. People just have to tune in. So you just have to be there for people to see you when they do. And streamers are well aware that they are performing something in public. And while most of them have a webcam set up that shows their face while they play... Most successful streamers still work with pseudonyms and try to keep their private life out of their streaming content. You might see their face, but you might not even know their name. Of course, for the most popular ones, 
journalistic methods have figured out who they are and they often share their names as well, but they still go by pseudonyms in, uh, in on Twitch itself because that's the persona that they create. They have clear boundaries between their public performance and even the business behind their work, not even mentioning anything private. Right? They, the public performance is what they do and the business is how they make money. And the public performance is what you see, not the business necessarily. Many streamers use a tool called OBS, the Open Broadcaster Software. Just use, they use that to show multiple scenes with different arrangements with the screams and the, the screens and video streams. So anything you can kind of see in these very professionally done streams is where people switch to different scenes depending on what they do. And when they need to take care of something personal, they often switch to a be right back scene that mutes all audio, hides their webcam and the screens, and just displays something like to chat to the viewers or a picture or an animation. It doesn't really matter. What's important is that streamers understand that sometimes you just have to tune out the audience and focus on what you need to do yourself. From bathroom breaks to important phone calls, there's a line that shouldn't be crossed even when you work in public. And some developers stream their coding work in public too. And it's kind of funny because it's often very entertaining to see people code. It's, it's, a, it's a learning and a teaching experience, but there also always uh, is a chance for mishaps and accidentally sharing secrets, just like usernames and passwords, has even resulted in editor extensions, like code editor extensions being developed that blur particular files by default. So if you stream, your secrets are not leaked. And that's an interesting thing to happen, right? People recognize that when you create in public, you still need to be careful not to overshare. So as a founder working in public, you might to consider where your boundaries are and what lines you draw between the most private of information, the most personal of information, and then the business and the actual public performance. There is a line and it's different for everybody, but you have to consider it. So now let's maybe take another look at what successful Twitch streamers have been doing and how you can leverage similar activities as an indie hacker and a bootstrap entrepreneur. Just going to go through them because I find it important to just mention them in one list. Show up every day. Most important one. No matter if you're live streaming a game or marketing for your SaaS or you're writing a blog or whatever you're doing, consistency is the key to reliable results. Your audience will grow naturally once you work persistently. Because that persistence will attract people. Number two, diversify your income streams. Platforms come and go, and they can arbitrarily remove access to your audiences very quickly. Encourage your followers to follow you on multiple platforms. Even better, have them hand you their email address or phone number or whatever through a purchase or an email list sign up. It doesn't matter, but try to reduce the platform risk for your audience by turning them from a borrowed audience on one platform into multiple borrowed audiences on multiple platforms and maybe into an owned audience on your email list or whatever tool you use. Number three, team up and communicate in public. Other founders are a great source of insight and they bring their own audiences. So build relationships, discuss your thoughts and strategies in public and you will find that people will find that particularly interesting. They gravitate towards conversations between experts. And you can leverage that. Number four, interact with your audience. It's really easy, right? Your audience is not just passive. If you can make the people you interact with feel heard and seen, 
They will understand that you care about them beyond just having them as this passive consumer audience. This is the kind of relationship you want with your followers. A bond that goes both ways, where you care about them and they care about you. Number five, pick a niche and be yourself. Honestly, don't try to appeal to everyone. Not everybody has to be your customers. In fact, I think it's good if some people don't like what you're doing because then you know you don't have to appeal to them. Be your unique self and embrace the people who resonate with that. And last, defend your boundaries. Building in public means sharing the good and the bad, like not just the good, that's just promoting yourself, but also sharing your struggles, but it doesn't mean sharing everything. Put boundaries in place. When you need time for yourself, take it. Share the things that help you and help other people, but do not overshare. And I know that's kind of hard and you have to find a balance for yourself, but always consider boundaries something good, even when you're building in public. So I highly recommend that you just go on Twitch and you check out a few streams just to see how those digital entrepreneurs, because that's what they are, interact with their audience and create community. At worst, you'll have some fun watching people play games, but at best, you'll see an audience and community building master at work. And that is absolutely worth your time. So now let me maybe share a few personal milestones from this week in my life as a founder. I think I have like three things to talk about. The first thing, the most important one, I got the first customer, the first paying customer for my SaaS permanent link. And funny enough, I didn't even notice until four days after they subscribed. So um, obviously um, that's a bad thing. Like I should not miss my first subscription, but it happened. And it's kind of funny to think of it. I implemented like a Stripe webhook based notification into my Slack. So I would actually see when somebody subscribes, but it's been like my integration is a bit chatty. Like a lot of things from my backend turn up into that channel. So it never really... Uh, caught my attention because there was so much else going on and I kind of reduced that over time. But yeah, I got my first paying subscriber for the business, which is amazing because that also means that somebody actually finds this valuable enough and they are using permanent link, which is a link shortener slash link permanent solution. They're actually using it in their book and they are going very soon to publish that book. So this book will rely on my service for its lifetime and the service needs to be there. So I need to make sure that the service is absolutely stable, that my migration paths, should I ever need to leave the service and go somewhere else, that they're in place, that I have a policy for what happens if they cancel and all these kind of things. It's getting real. And it's very, very amazing that it happens just weeks after I finished writing the first draft of my book, because that was a time where I really, really just focused on the book which uh, was initially called the um, just audience first, right? That was, that was the name. And I recently renamed to uh, the embedded entrepreneur after I figured out that audience first might be a bit misleading. So that draft is now out. Uh, I gave it to my alpha readers and they've been giving me an incredible amount of feedback, but it's just nice that the moment I hand over this draft to hundreds of people who are eager to read it, is the moment that somebody chooses to actually pay for the business that has been running on essentially by itself for a couple months at this point. It just feels like a lot of things work out pretty well and they all work out at a a good time. The timing is pretty good. So I'm really happy about that. So alpha reader feedback has been amazing. Um, 
I'm using a tool called helpthisbook.com by uh, Rob Fitzpatrick and Devin Hunt. They have been building this because they themselves have written books that needed a lot of beta and alpha readers, and they built a tool that make, makes this a little bit easier. So to the people on my alpha reader list, I sent a link, and it allows them to add their commentary and give me feedback and tell me when the book feels slow, when it's confusing, when it's good, when it's bad. And I have like hundreds of comments at this point. Um, if you're interested in this still, then... Um, you can sign up to to that list. the um, The alpha reading part will be going on for quite a while. I mean, uh, there's a deadline that I set for next Monday, which is um, March first, where I'll take all the commentary that people have so far given me and work it into the draft, release the draft version zero point two, and then invite more alpha readers. So if you're interested in either looking at the current draft for a couple more days or at the next version of the draft for a couple weeks, then please go to embeddedentrepreneur.com slash reader and you will find a sign-up system there. Or sorry, it's slash readers. Just making sure I'll drop the link in the show notes where you just can sign up to the list and I'll invite you. And you can check out the book at its early stage. And I'll do that a couple more times. And after that, I'll send it to a proofreader and then I'll publish it. So it won't be a couple... Uh, I, I hope the, the book will be out by the middle of the year, probably earlier, but depends on how much feedback people will continue to give me. So that would be my second item, I guess, that there's been a lot of good feedback on my first draft. And the third one, finally, is that um, Amazon KDP, the self-publishing portal has now enabled me to publish a hardcover of my existing book, Zero to Sold. So that was um, released this week. So now I finally have a paperback, hardcover, and a digital version of the book that people can purchase. Um, The audiobook is also on its way, but it's not on Audible just yet. It may be on Google Play and it's on Apple Books, but it's not on Audible. We're still waiting for this. But the hardcover's out, and I'm super happy. You're like, who'd have guessed that there would ever be a hardcover of this book? But yeah, it's it's there now, and I'm I'm very excited about all of this. Both my two book projects are moving on pretty fine, and the SAS apparently is also something that people are willing to pay for. So everything is looking fairly interesting in my life right now. And I can't wait to tell you more about how stuff is continuing to shape. Um, yeah, maybe next week. So thank you very much. Uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Bootser Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootserfounder.com. You can find my book Zero to Sold at zerotosold.com and The Embedded Entrepreneur at embeddedentrepreneur.com. If you want to support me in the Bootser Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders or founders-to-be find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling the Bootser businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.